Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Bar with Judy Rice. My name is Sam Kepi, and I am here with the one and only Judy Rice. How was that? Flipping the script. Hi! <laughs> I love it, Sam. You're, you're hired. Great. <laughs> I need a raise. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that after. <laughs> Or actually, I should say, yeah, don't we all? Uh, yeah, for right? real. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you to everyone out there. I mean, it's been really nice to be getting response. I mean, I'm, I'm getting response from my first ballet teacher's family. I haven't spoken to one of her sons in I don't know how many years, and it's been incredibly heartwarming. So I just really appreciate and everyone tuning in and um another dear friend of mine her 10 year old daughter tunes in and uh i mean my gosh i i trained her mom when she was eight like it's crazy how this um is reaching people it's um it's really heartwarming so please continue to send us questions and you know, stay in touch with us. So it'll help guide us in terms of what we put into future episodes. Yeah. And please be sure to keep uh, spreading the word. Tell your friends, tell your, you know, studio owners, tell everyone. We want as many people to hear this as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So today we have one of those classic Judy stories that just kind of <laughs> encompasses everything. So I think today we're going to talk about kind of your journey into the Joffrey company, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it started in, um, it was, I, it was, it was 10th grade or ninth, 10th or ninth grade, one of the two. And I got a hold of a dance magazine and either Mr. Joffrey was on the cover or there was an article about him. And I read this article. And for those of you that know me well, you know that I'm not, you know, the best reader. I think it's just because I can't sit still, you know, it's, mm. it's super hard for me. Um, but anyway, I read this article and what he said just resonated with me. And I mean, I just felt like I was home, right? That I'm, and I, 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 I was like, wow, that's the company. I, I don't want to work with this man. I want, I want to, I want to be near this man. But I was attending the National Ballet School of Canada, and that's not what I was supposed to be feeling or thinking. Yeah, and that's kind of like the same feeling you had when you walked into the National Ballet School the first time was that feeling of I'm home. That's so true. And, you know, that's something that I've passed along to students and to and actually to students that are auditioning for us. I'll say you've got to trust your gut. You've got to it's got to resonate with you. And if it doesn't, then it's not the right place for you. Right. So I read this article and, and of course I had to keep, keep this to myself because this wasn't cool that I wanted to be in a company that wasn't the National Valley of Canada. Right. And yet I still wanted to be in the National Valley of Canada, but it just, it really did. It really struck home. Like, wait a minute, this, this is more my style kind of thing. And so, you know, I kept quiet about it and, um, you know, continued on my journey at the National Valley School and my training and, um, and then I think it was 11th grade when the, and this is a, I don't think we've told this whole story. We'll tell this whole story another time, but part of the story is, um, 
the, I was having a talk with the director, which wasn't going very well, by the way. And <laughs> um, she basically was trying to kick me out of the school. And uh, I ended up saying to her, yeah, but Miss Oliphant, Mr. Joffrey, you know, takes dancers that have slightly different shapes and sizes in his company. And she says, isn't that lovely? But we don't, we don't, we're not training dancers for the Joffrey, are we? <laughs> Oh God! I was like, ah, which which now they do now. Of course, they're training dancers to go, you know, wherever they can get a job, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I didn't get into the National Ballet of Canada. Um, the director told me that um, the director told me that if I lost five pounds, that he would take me into the company. And I went away and I starved myself. And three weeks later, I came back. I had lost the five pounds. And he looked at me and he said, "I know you lost the weight, but I'm not taking you in the company." And I'm like, "What?" And I said, but you said you would. And he said, well, you're not suited for the National Ballet of Canada. You're much more suited for London Festival or the Joffrey. And he had danced for London Festival. And I said, well, can you connect me with London Festival? And he said, no. Uh, (laughs) I know. I was getting a lot of help. I know. Well, you know what? Roadblock, right? Roadblock, roadblock, roadblock. They kept getting put in my way. And I kept hurtling them, right? And so... Then it was my final performance and my teacher, Mr. Gilmore had choreographed to Foray's Dolly Suite. And I I think he told me years later that he wanted me to be Dolly. He wanted me to have the lead, but the director of the school said, no, no, you're not going to, I know. Oh God. Over and over and over. She told me no, you know, and, um, which is also another really important thing. Don't let anybody ever tell you no, because the thing is, is if you want something badly enough, you can make it happen. You can make it happen for yourself. Don't. But honestly, I almost think her telling me no kind of motivated me more. Like I, I was a little like, really? Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll show you. Exactly. Exactly. So, which she was super smart and, you know, if I could talk to her now, you know, maybe that's what she was doing to me to get me to be more motivated. I don't know. Um, one will never know, I guess. Um, but so in any case, Mr. Gilmore created the role of the cat in the Dolly suite for me. And he choreographed like my roles or my role really, he, he did all sorts of tricks in it because I was kind of a trickster as a dancer, mm-hmm. Dan- a dancer. I said dancer. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was a dancer. Um, but I was a trickster for sure. And um, like I could balance on point for a really long time, which those of you who don't know about ballet, that's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he choreographed this virtuoso role for me. And the director of Art Park, which is an outdoor theater in upstate New York, kind of much like Wolf Trap, mm. saw me in this performance and as the cat. And he said to the woman sitting next to him, who was one of my friend's mother, who worked for him. And uh, he said, Robert Joffrey needs to see that girl. And she looked at him and said, can you make that happen? Because we're all really upset because the National Valley of Canada is not hiring her. They're not going to take her. And he said, I'll give him a call tomorrow. And he did. He called Mr. Wow. Joffrey the next day. Wow. Yeah, right. And he said, I've got a girl here and you need to see her. And Mr. Joffrey said, well, we'll be in Art Park at you know this August. Have her audition when we're in Art Park. And this man set this up for me. And... 
I took the class in August and uh, Trinette Singleton, who I owe my life to, and I hope that you hear this, Trinette, because wow, you really, you launched me. You launched me. She believed in me and she came up to me and she said, we want you in New York, move to New York, go to our school. We will find you. We don't have a contract right now, but we will find you. And at the time, I, I was a little disappointed. I was excited because, yes, there was an opportunity, but I was a little disappointed because all my friends already were working in companies. And I was already behind the eight ball. And then I had to go to school for another year. And um, but that was that was a great year. And we've talked a little bit about that and about, um, you know, when I got there, you know, in my head, I would say I'm, I'm the ballerina in my head because, you know, the director of the National Ballet School of Canada kept saying to me, you'll never be the ballerina. You'll never be the ballerina. You'll never get the lead role. And I, I didn't like those words because, you know, here I was attending a professional ballet boarding school. Those were not words I wanted to hear. <laughs> so, you know, when I got to New York, I, in my head, I said, I'm the ballerina, I'm the ballerina. And, you know, I managed, you know, we've talked about this. I got into the concert group, but then Mr. Joffrey came to a summer, we had a summer uh, uh, residency in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Mr. Joffrey came out and he taught class and saw our performances. And in September, he had me come up town to the company and also another girl from the, um, the concert group, Dominique Angel. And when we walked in for our first rehearsal, which what he brought us up for was to be understudies for Taming of the Shrew, which was John Cranko's um, choreography, full length ballet, Taming of the Shrew. But the Joffrey was a, a smaller company and everybody in the company was dancing. And so they needed understudies. And so the Joffrey Two Company were the understudies, and then Dominique and me. And when we got up there for the first day, we walked in, and there were there were two rumors that were flying, and one was that Dominique was going to be the next one into Joffrey Two. And so the Joffrey Two girls, they were standing in the backstage right corner, and they basically enveloped her and brought her into their corner because she was going to be one of them, and then. The second rumor that was flying was that I was going to skip Joffrey too and go straight into the main company. Now, nobody had told me that, so I, I don't know where that rumor started, but basically what that did was it completely isolated me. All of Joffrey too hated me because they felt that it was their right and the proper progression for them to go into the company before me. Um, and then all the main company hated me because they also had all gone through Joffrey too. So I stood on my own little island in the back stage left corner, essentially. But that was fine. I, you know, I wasn't there to make friends. I was there to get a job. Mm -hmm. And I, I was determined I was going to get a job. And so we were given our person to learn. And I was given my person and, and then the Joffrey two people were given their people and so I learned my person and then I looked over and I, I knew which, which dancers, the Joffrey two people were understudying. And I found other dancers in the main company that didn't have a cover. And I thought, well, I'll learn that role then. Well, I'll learn that, that part. And then I learned the second, second part. And then I'm like, okay, I've learned two, two roles now. Okay. Wait a minute. Who doesn't have a cover? Okay. That one doesn't have a cover. And so 
midway through learning my third part, I saw it like I saw the grid and I realized that I can't remember how many dancers there are in the core of the Taming of the Shrew, but it's quite a lot. I mean, I want to say maybe 20, maybe 16. I don't know. Probably 20. I don't know. A lot. And I saw it though, like a grid, kind of like those paintings that you see in the mall, you know, that are just like a bunch of dots. But then when you stare at the paintings long enough, like all of a sudden Mickey Mouse appears and the Magic Kingdom and Goofy, right? And that's exactly what happened to me. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like even though there are all these women in in the court, there are only four parts. Mm. Like I cracked the nut, right? And so halfway through learning my third girl, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a gold mine. So I, I learned the third girl and then I learned the fourth girl and I literally was sitting on a gold mine. And I would have happily shared this with anyone if they would speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, all I can think of right now is you with this grid is when at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm in the grocery store, like picking up stuff for you. And you have like photographic memory, memorize the entire layout of the grocery store. And like you're directing me, you know, take three steps to the left and reach up on the third shelf. And I'm like, how is she doing that? That's exactly right. Sam couldn't find purple potatoes. And I was like, I really want purple potatoes. He's like, they don't have them. I go, no, 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 no. Go back up 10 paces in on your left, two shelves up. They're right there. And he's like, oh my God, you're right. They're right there. Yep. <laughs> crack, the, crack the nut again. For my purple potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, then I learned the fourth girl. Now I know it all. And I'm waiting. I'm just sitting in the back and I'm waiting. I am waiting for somebody to be out. And then it happens. I walk into rehearsal and I realize before the ballet master does that Carol Valesky is not there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, that's it. I'm going in. I'm going in. I know I'm going in. And everyone was terrified of Scott, the ballet master. He was brilliant. Boy, did he give a good class. I, a man, he, we jumped like you wouldn't believe with him. Mm. Um, but he was terrifying. And you want to talk about an eagle eye too. I learned a lot from him in terms of what to see. And in any case, Scott said, Carol Valesky is at the dentist. And, <laughs> and he said, Who, who's her understudy? And this girl, like her hand was literally shaking as she kind of raised it halfway up. And he, and he said, do you know it? And she was like, sort of. And then without really even hearing her answer, because you could just see she was like, no, she didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And he said, does anyone know it? And I, I lost it. I'm sorry, I'm gonna probably blow your ears out right now. So be careful. <laughs> but I went, I do if you can answer two questions for me. And the whole company whipped around and stared at me like, you're gonna die now. Like they were, they were like, Scott's gonna go after you now, right? And they were happy about it. Mm -hmm. And he just calmly looked at me and he said, and they would be. I said, okay, I know that I'm the first one out of the maze and I grab somebody's hand, but I don't know whose hand it is. And one of the guys raises his hand and I go, Louie, okay, great. Okay, now I know I do the assemble lift down on the downstage left corner on this angle, but I don't know who my partner is. And one of the guys goes, me. I go, Paul, I go, okay, I'm ready. And I walked to the starting spot. And everybody stared at me like I was a freak, which I kind of was, really, when you think about it. 
So I stood in the spot and if you have ever seen this ballet, the, the, the first movement is incredibly intricate and complicated. And I got through the whole first movement without a mistake, the whole company applauded me. And then they just started bringing me into other rehearsals. Mm. Well, then there was also, I mean, I had so many stumbling, stumbling blocks, like the, the director of Joffrey too at the time had had a bad experience at the National Ballet of Canada years before I even went there. And so then she knew I was from there. And so she had decided she was not going to take me into Joffrey too. And I guess she and Mr. Joffrey had a screaming fight about it. He was like, I want you to take her to Joffrey too. And she's like, no, I don't want to take her. And, and uh, I guess at one point he said to her, you know, last I looked, Sally, it's my name on the door, right? She still wouldn't take me into Joffrey too. So what they started doing was they, and because actually the Joffrey too had their own tour at that time. And so they actually had to leave and they were on their own tour. So I was left being sort of the sole understudy for Taming of the Shrew. And then they started bringing me into other rehearsals. And so Mr. Joffrey had walked by me at one point, and this was one of the greatest gifts I've ever received in my entire life. He walked by me and just very quietly said, make yourself valuable and walked away. And I thought, how do I do that? You know, like, mm -hmm. how do I? And I thought, well, be smart. Learn, learn, as, you know, be, learn as many roles as you can, right? Mm -hmm. So they started throwing me into other rehearsals. And then one day I walked in to the lounge and I, the call board was right there. And the ballet mistress was sitting with two of the, you know, even though Joffrey's all-star, no-star, she was sitting with two of the principals. And I'm reading the call board. I'm looking to see, you know, what other rehearsals are they pulling me in for? And I hear her saying, yeah, now we're just pulling her into other rehearsals just for sport to see how much she can pick up. And one of the principals said, who are you talking about? And the other one said, the one that's at the call board right now. And I turned around, I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they did end up taking me on tour. They hadn't signed me. They took me on tour. I kept trying to learn as much as I possibly can. Um, that was also, this is also really a great story. This was when, um, Ronald Reagan was president and his son was in the company and Ron and I ended up becoming really great friends. And Ron, of course, had his own secret service agents that traveled with him. Right. And uh, Ron and I would go to dinner like we'd have an afternoon dress rehearsal or something. We'd get an hour, hour and a half off to go to dinner and come back to the theater and we'd be out to dinner. And the secret service agents from the theater would would walkie talkie radio the other ones that were with us saying, Hey, can you get Judy back to the theater? Because Scott needs her because so-and-so is out tonight and he needs her to go into green table and to sweet sense all and right. What? <laughs> our, our government dollars. <laughs> yeah, literally aren't at work. <laughs> and I would come back and he would look at me and he'd say, okay, I, I need to throw you into this. Who do you need and how much time do you need? Because of course it was all, um, you know, union, union um, theater time, right? So we mm -hmm. had to pay for it. I'd be like, okay, I need Tom, I need Glenn, I need I need Louie, and yeah, and I can do it in, in 30 minutes. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the very, uh, the punchline to this very long story is 
I did go straight from the school into the Joffrey company, but it's because I earned it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because there was a rumor. And, you know, I think the thing is, like you said, Sam, there are a couple of, you know, there are a couple of messages here. You know, first of all, I've said it already, but I'm going to say it again because it's super important. Don't let anyone ever tell you no when it's something that you want. You go for it. I've had students say, well, but do you think I can make it? And my first question to them is, do you want it? And if they say yes, then I say, then you can make it. Then you can do it. Um, And then the other one is, you know, you know, in some respects, I think I manifested my own destiny, right? I, something resonated with me. I, and I went for it. The opportunity came, I took it, I ran with it. And, you know, and then, I mean, I worked for them for so many years. I taught for the school in New York. I've taught the company. I've, I was a large part of Joffrey Midwest for 15 years, which is a satellite program from the New York school. And, you know, I helped build that. And, um, you know, it was probably for over 25 years that I worked for them. So, and I wish I could remember the name of the director of Art Park because I, I, I remember his first name is David, but I can't remember his second name, but I owe him my life between mm-hmm. what he did for me, that opportunity. And I think that's another good thing too. If you're in a position to create an opportunity for someone that you believe is talented, do it, do it. You know, he had no idea when he opened up that door for me that I would end up doing, you know, working for them for 25 years or more. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he had no idea, but he saw what he thought was talent and created an opportunity. And so I think those of us that are in a position to be able to create opportunities for young talent, then it's, it's our obligation to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, there are a couple things that I was just thinking of, like, while you were telling that story. And I think I have a very similar experience even coming to Michigan, you know, kind of with the manifesting your destiny, I guess. And I remember being in high school and I was looking for a new instrument and I found this one and it was like out of my price range. And but I just like I saw it and I was like, I know that's the one I haven't even played it yet, but like I just know it. And so I took it home and played on it. I started doing some research and the instrument that my instrument is a copy of, I like found, found the instruments of instrument from 1580. And I found like the guy who plays it. And I like started looking, looking it up, researching and listening to his recordings. And I heard his recordings the first time. And I was like, I have to study with this person. Like I, I, that's how I want to sound. Right. And that person like, and then, so I kept telling people, I'm like, um, and then I found out that person taught at Michigan at U of M. And I was like in high school, junior in high school, I'm like telling everybody, I'm going to go to Michigan. I'm going to like, and I'm not going to pay for it. I'm going to get a full ride and I'm going to like do it. And they're like, well, do you know anyone that teaches there? I'm like, well, no, but I'm going to do it. And they're like, okay, like, good luck. You know, little kid from middle of nowhere, Missouri. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it. Okay. So keep your mouth, <laughs> like, keep your opinion to yourself. And <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> and I had been going to, in the summers, I would go to, like, local little music camps, right? Like, at the local college. And then it was, like, a big deal when I would go to, like, you know, Columbia, Missouri, which is, like, two hours away. And I was, like, oh, make it the big time, right? So then I really decided to, like, push myself. I'm, like, I'm going to go to this festival in St. Louis, right? The first time I'd ever heard of it. And I was, like, okay, I'm just going to audition and see what happens. And so I get in. And this was before all the faculty was announced. And I get an email and they're like, now announcing viola faculty, it's Akshatan. And I was like, that's the guy from Michigan. That's the guy who my instrument, he has an instrument that mine is based off of. 
this is my shot, you know, and it was like all just lined up. And so I go there and my first lesson, I'm terrified because I'm like, I'm going to Michigan, but he just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, and I'm in my lesson, I start playing and he's like, he's like, you're very talented. You know, you, uh, you should audition for Michigan and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I'm going to this other festival in two weeks. And, uh, you know, you should come with me and study with six, for six more weeks. And I was like calling my parents, like crying and like, like, oh my God, like it's all happening, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I had never like gone on a plane before. I had never like left Missouri and now I'm going to Vermont for six weeks. And, you know, like, and it, you know, that summer changed my life. I studied with him and it was like a done deal. And I still study with him to this day. I was with him for six years at U of M and potentially I'll, you know, I'm applying for a doctoral program at U of M. I might have three more years with him. And it's like, and that level of loyalty too is really important. Like you say, like those people that give you those opportunities, it's so important because, you know, without coming to Michigan, without kind of manifesting that, without meeting him, you know, like I wouldn't have the friends I have. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have had like any of the opportunities I've had at Michigan if it wasn't for that chance that he gave me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just crazy. Like you have to really um, believe it. And it's hard too. I think for students sometimes to, you know, confidence is a tricky thing, you know, even saying to yourself, like, I'm worth it, or I'm like, I'm going to do this or saying I'm the ballerina or saying like, I'm going to win this audition, I'm going to win this job. Like, I feel like sometimes students especially feel guilty for thinking that and feeling it like that. It's like, oh, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be cocky. But you know, it's free to say it, it's free to think it. And you know, if it makes you feel good and feel confident in the moment, it can't be a bad thing right and I'll never right. forget I had a conversation I was having a conversation with some people um while I was in school and you know I was saying something like oh when I get my first big orchestra job I'm going to do this this and this and they looked at me like oh a little presumptuous when you get it you know blah blah, blah. and I'm like well why are you here like you know you're in school to right. get the skills to get a job and you're like inviting doubt into your life by not saying like that you're worth getting a big job you know like right yeah Right. And, and Sam, this is the same professor that has asked you to audition for the doctoral program, right? Yes. Yes. Wow. What, what a gift he has been yes, to you. Absolutely. You know, very much like, you know, the day that I met Trinette Singleton, she was, she wasn't ballet master or ballet mistress yet. She was, she was the scheduler and uh, she literally just fought for me. And she she came to the school to and set her first piece of choreography on, I think there were like eight couples that learned this pas de deux. And for those of you that are not dancers, a pas de deux is a dance for two, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and it, she was particularly passionate about it simply because it was her, her husband had composed the music that we were dancing to. And, uh, you know, she really fought for me. I mean, at one point she came up to me and she goes, if I tell Mr. Joffrey to take you one more time into the company, he's going to throw me out that window. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and then if, if someone does create opportunities for you, you know, try and say thank you. So, you know, it just made me realize that I'm going to get a hold of my friend that I went to school with, whose mother connected me with the director of art park. I'm going to find out his name and I'm going to write him a thank you note. Yeah. And because, you know, Trinette and I are in touch, you know, we, we saw each other at Mr. Arpino's memorial and we, 
you know, every once in a while, I'll pick up the phone. And actually, when I got the cover of Dance Teacher Magazine, I, I called her and I said, I, I would not have gotten this without you. I mean, you did this. You you propelled me forward. And so we're lucky. Yeah. And I also think it's important, too, to note for, like, the students who are in school, you know, like you said, you were in school to get a job. And I think it's important to always kind of have that at the forefront of your mind, you know, like, school is great. It's a great opportunity to have fun. It's a great opportunity to meet people. But don't go to school if you don't like have a plan in mind. Like it's easy to get kind of bogged down with, you know, the going to class and the going to this and to blah, 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 blah. And the sooner you can learn to prioritize like, okay, so I really need to like focus on this. And like, you know, maybe I, I get a B on my paper, but like I have an extra hour of practice or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you're in school to be an artist and like, it's important to have like that at the forefront of your mind. Like you're there to get a job someday to be a performer. And um, that's a really hard lesson to learn. Right. And well, I and I, I think something to add to that, Sam, is when you want something badly enough, like don't be afraid to put yourself forward. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you have to make yourself seen. Yeah. I have yeah. an experience. I, um, I, when I was leading like the top orchestra at school, there was a concert. I saw like, as soon as the repertoire was announced, like over the summer, there was a concert that there were huge viola solos in every piece. And I was like, that's my concert. And the first day, the first rehearsal, I walked up to the conductor. I'm like, I want that concert. I want that concert because I was like I knew the other people the other principals and I was like well I don't want them to have it like I want to do it and it was a great right. I mean it was a lot of work it was really scary and you know I like we all do struggled with you know performance anxiety and stage fright and you know I was up all night like wringing my hands the day before the concert and I played I you know I thought I played really well and my teacher and his wife came backstage after the concert and the, his wife like came to me and she was like had tears in her eyes and she said you know you sound just like him and i will oh. never forget that a day in my life yeah oh yeah oh, oh. wow what a moment to cherish forever yeah. i will never ever forget that oh that's incredible that's that's yeah what a gift you know yeah. That's amazing. Well, I feel like I need a three-hour nap now. Yeah, this was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure maybe our listeners might need a three-hour nap. You never yeah. know. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. So it's a little behind-the-bar Judy Rice workout. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everyone. And uh, we look forward to being back with you next week yeah that'll be this was episode seven can you believe it no yeah well see you next week on episode eight everybody mm -hmm.